1: For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia.
2: Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. And I have a really great show for us today. And this, because we're kind of doing this whole relationship kind of, um, track. So, you know, we had four weeks ago, we had, um, boundaries. Then we did one on codependency. Last week we had Glenn Lutyens from Focus on the Family talking about the five reasons not to marry and, and how to handle it when you feel like you married the wrong person. So I want to encourage you right off the bat. If you haven't been able to listen to those shows, go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com and that is spelled C I N T H I A H I E T T dot com. Can also find me on the K P X Q website, and that will take you to those podcasts, and you can listen to those. You can share them with your friends, and and I think that they will be helpful and inspiring. So, we are talking today about why God wants us in relationship. I mean, really, what's the, what's the point of all this? relationships can be very difficult and they, we can get our hearts broken we, in whether they're romantic or whether they're family, whether they're friends, whether they're work. I mean, it is painful sometimes to really be in relationship with humans. And, you know, that's one of the reasons maybe why we like our pets so much. <laughs> they're so much easier, so much less complicated and very unconditional. And so, you know, why would God really want us in relationship? Well, I want you to think about this first foundational truth. And that is that relationships are unavoidable. And I know the feeling when I want to say I'm not doing relationships anymore. I'm out. That's it. I'm done. But I want you to understand that we are created relationally, so we can't help it. In fact, we have a relationship with inanimate objects. Do you ever talk to your car, Do you talk to your refrigerator, Do you talk to your computer... You know, we just have this tendency to really relate to things, even if they are inanimate. And so we have very significant relationships with pets. And, and you, you need to understand that God hardwired us this way to long for relationship, to also just do it naturally. I mean, we create relationships with people at the bank, at the grocery store, at Circle K, at different restaurants. Simply because we interact with them on a regular basis, we all of a sudden create some levels of attachment so that when they're gone, we think, hey, what happened to that person? Where'd they go? And so I want you to really understand that concept that relationships are unavoidable. And so if I recognize that and realize it's kind of like breathing, then it helps me to kind of ease into it better and just say, you know what, then I'm going to really work on making them good. Because I'm going to have them one way or another. So I'm either going to have a bad relationship or I'm going to have a good and fulfilling relationship. But there isn't a way to have no relationship. Unless maybe you're the Unabomber. So none of us are that. So we really need to know we are going to have relationship. So relationships, they can be positive or negative. It's really up to us to determine whether or not to put the effort into creating a positive relationship dynamic with any given individual. So we have unhealthy and unsuccessful relationships can be avoided. We certainly can avoid those, but not without some effort on our part. And some of those relationships, we can avoid them for the most part, but they may be still people that are placed in our life that we are still going to have to manage. So I can really only do my side of the relationship. I can't do both sides. So one of the biggest heartbreaks about relationship is that I might be doing everything I'm supposed to do, and for the most part, everything right. And if the person I'm in relationship with doesn't want to do their part, the relationship will not work. And we see that in our relationship with God. He can do everything right, and we know that God is perfect and everybody is still not going to spend eternity with him because we still have to do our part. So it's important for us to recognize when we're in relationship with people that I can do everything I can to make it work, but there still is that wild card, and that's the other person. And I have to be willing to accept the fact that they may choose not to do that. And that can bring tremendous heartache. But there's more heartache in being in a relationship in an ongoing relationship that is not working with someone that is refusing to do their part or refusing to work on the relationship. So that's where we would really want to be practicing boundaries. So I want to refer you back to that show on boundaries. So there are some, you know, there are some people who seem to be allowing me or you to do their part of the relationship. And that is also sometimes can fool us. Like we can think we're all working on it. When actually we step back and we recognize, I think I'm the only one doing this. And so we have to remember we're still limited by our part. So when relationships aren't working well, I mean, we are hurt. We tend to shut down. We want to be done with relationships altogether. But since we know that relationships are unavoidable, what we're really saying is that we wish to avoid intimacy within that relationship. And so we start to put all these rules like, yeah, well, I'll show up. Well, I'll be there. But we know in our heart, we're not going to give them a piece of us at all. Now, some of that may be a healthy boundary. That's true. But I have to recognize that when I'm in an ongoing dynamic relationship with a person who's working just like I am and may not be doing it perfectly, that I have to be careful not to shut down, to withdraw, and to shut them out. So, what's the difference between relating and intimacy? Because I can relate to a lot of people that I might not have intimacy with. And, and those, those relationships are generally pretty, pretty shallow, pretty superficial. So that might be the person at the grocery store. That might be some of my coworkers at work. I might see them on a daily basis. We're friendly. We say hi. We might, you know, tell jokes to one another. We might share little anecdotes that go on. But is that really intimacy? Am I really changed by that person? Because intimacy is really being known by someone and knowing someone. And whenever I pursue intimacy, there's going to have to be some change that occurs. And so there's going to obviously be some pain. So there are levels within intimacy, of course. And the deepest hurts happen when someone we thought knew us turns out to not have known us at all. Or when we thought we knew that person and we find out, wow, I, d- I don't think I knew them at all. When, when those people that we're having the deepest level of intimacy with, with are the ones that, that break our hearts, are the ones that betray a confidence, the ones that turn on us, this is where the deepest levels of hurt occur. And having to deal with that and manage the fact that someone doesn't maybe want to know me. And these are very painful. So these are some of the reasons we're going to avoid intimacy. So I want to, you, you to know the difference between us. So, so Webster's Dictionary defines relate as to tell a story of, to narrate, to connect, as in thought or meaning, and to have some connection or relation to. So this is kind of a general definition. And it can mean anything from relating to the waitress at the coffee shop, then to what should be my most intimate relationship relating to my significant other, spouse, best friends, families, children. So intimate is defined as most private or personal, very close or familiar, deep and thorough. So I can relate to the people I'm very intimate with, but I can also relate to people I'm not really intimate with. And those are the people we just share anecdotes with. We have a good time. We might see them in passing. We see them at church we might, we might talk to them about, you know, an event or a vacation we took, but they're not going to necessarily know our insecurities. They're not going to know the ways in which I can be hurt. They're not going to know my fears. They're not going to know my greatest successes. They're not going to know my greatest failures. And they are not the ones that are going to really capture my heart. So a lot of what I do in my practice is dispelling the myth the people create for themselves saying, you know, they're done with relationship and I'm not doing them in the future. And I always say to people, I understand the feeling, but I know that six months later, they're going to be in a relationship again and really hoping that it's the one that works out because we are human and this is what we do. So what I want you to think about is I can choose to relate positively with intimacy or I will attempt to avoid relating. And when I avoid relating and avoid intimacy, I'm only going to get negative relationships. So when I get into a practice of avoidance where I say, well, I just won't go there with that person. I just won't share that with that person. I just won't um, be that intimate with anybody. I just will lower all my expectations of intimacy. The more that I avoid being close to people and feeling the pain of a relationship needing to grow, the more pain I'm going to, ha- I'm going to have. Because if you recognize the fact that, that we as humans are hardwired for intimacy, if we don't do intimacy, if we don't do relationship with intimacy, then we are going to usher in all the feelings of loneliness and being alone, of not being known, of not being seen. And those are probably the most painful experiences that humans have. And, and I know I've shared this um, study with you. We had, there was a study that was done in the 1940s and uh, the end of World War II, and it was with Russian orphans. And the orphans, there was warehouses of orphans. And the nurses were told to do everything to care for their physical need. So they were perfectly cared for. They had food as much as they needed when they needed it. They were bathed. They were, their diapers were changed. The sheets were perfect, the atmosphere for sleep was perfect, they were completely taken care of. But they but they told the nurses you are not to look at them, talk to them, stroke them, hug them, comfort them. And those infants died. And that's where we get the concept of failure to thrive. When we have children that we don't look at, talk to, acknowledge, and see, we have a failure to thrive. So as humans, What I'm wanting you to understand is we are going to really understand why God wants us in relationship and why it is a good thing and how we can do it well. So I want you to hang in there with me. We're coming up to a break. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia, and we are talking about why God wants us in relationship. We are talking about the difference between intimacy and relating. We're going to also look later on at 15 traits of a healthy relationship. So you can know what really constitutes a healthy relationship. So join me in the next segment. This is Cynthia Hyatt. Please visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. Like my Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Inc. That's INC for Incorporated. And I will talk to you in the next segment. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and so glad that you are listening today. And if you're just joining in, I want to encourage you to visit my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. And my name is spelled a little differently. It's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T dot com. And you can listen to the show in its entirety. And this, this show is kind of a culmination of the last three we've done. And four weeks ago, we did boundaries, then we did codependency, show on codependency. And last week, we had um, Glenn Lechens from Focus on the Family. He's one of their licensed marriage and family therapists talking to us about marriage, the five reasons to not marry, and and then what we do when we feel like we've married the wrong person. So today, we're talking about relationship. Why does God want us in relationship? Why would he want us to do this this whole issue of relating to people, being intimate with people, being trying to be known by people when sometimes it is so painful. And so we ended that last segment talking about this study that was done uh after the end of World War II when Russia had so many orphans that were um part of just the outcome of that war. And and so they had warehouses of these infants and you can go online and see these pictures of just these warehouses of cribs. Of infants, and and the nurses were told um, to take stellar care of them, and so they were fed, they were clothed, their diapers were changed, every physical need they could possibly have was taken care of completely. But they were also told not to look at them, to talk to them, to hug them, to comfort them, and what we found was uh, failure to thrive, and that's where that concept of failure to thrive comes from: is that these children died. And when we see children that have failure to thrive, they may be living, but they have all kinds of developmental delays that come with that first 6, 12, 18, 22 months of development. And so it's imperative when you understand the way God has created us, that we are, we are, species, we are species, we are creatures, we, we were made in a specific manner. And one of the greatest needs that humans have is the need to be seen. And there's a great um, video you can look at. It's uh, called Dr. Tronix. Um, he's, he's a doctor that did a, a video called Still Face. And what you'll see is you'll see a mother interacting with her, I think it's an 18-month or 22-month-old baby, no, 18 months. And you see this woman interacting with her, and they're, they're cooing back and forth, and they're sharing um, like all different kinds of body language and pointing and laughing. And, and then what, what we see is the mother turns away, And 10 seconds later, she looks back at the baby with a completely still face that is not moved by this infant at all. And within less than 12 seconds, this infant just falls apart. And it is the most painful thing to watch. Now, they they quickly repair what goes on with this infant. And so the the child is, is one of the things that we know about resiliency is what's called rip and repair. And so what this infant experienced was a ripping away from her mother, and then the mother quickly repaired it. But what you see is the profound effect this infant felt when she was not seen any longer. And so what we know about intimacy is the power of being seen. And what being seen is, it means I am known. Someone knows me. Someone gets me. Someone accepts me. Someone loves me. Someone is interested in me. And this is the way that God made humans. When we don't have that, we fail to thrive. So what we want to think about when it comes to relationships is I want to learn how to do them well so that I do get my needs met. And those are the needs that I have and need to be met. And we see this trickle down effect or or the, the, the ripple effect of when this isn't happening in primary relationships. We see children acting out all over the place when their parents don't see them, quote unquote, see them. We see spouses falling into infidelity when their spouse doesn't see them. We see employees quitting when their bosses don't see them for who they are. We see people in restaurants getting up and walking out when the waitress doesn't see them. And so it's imperative that we understand this powerful process that humans go through to be seen and the things that we will do to be seen. So we talked about this foundational truth that relationships are unavoidable. However, unhealthy relationships and unsuccessful relationships oftentimes can be avoided, and I, and I recommend that if you have really tried and gone through all the process of, of doing your part of the relationship and the person that you are trying to relate with refuses. And so it's important to recognize that, that in Genesis 2.10, God said, it's not good for man to be alone. And so we recognize that, that Adam was perfect when God stated this, and his relationship with God was perfect. And his body was perfect, and his life was perfect, and his environment was perfect. And God said it's not good for him to be alone. He needs to be seen by a counterpart. He needs another human to see him. Even though I see him, I'm friends with him, I walk with him every day, he needs to be seen from another human. So God introduced Adam to his first relationship. And everything was still perfect. So we can conclude that having a successful relationship with yourself and God is imperative for healthy relationships outside God and self. So what you see is that Adam first had relationship with God. Adam had relationship with himself. Then he had relationship with Eve. So it's important to recognize this is how we want to set up healthy relationships. The better I know God, the better I know me. The better I know me the better I am able to help you know me. And what I say to to adults daily, with children, it is our job to understand them. When it comes to adults, it is my job to help you understand me. So it's important that I understand myself. It's important I know me. It's important that I get me, that I accept me, and that I love me. Now, I don't accept everything I do. I don't love everything I do, (laughs) truthfully. But that doesn't mean I don't love and accept me. The more that I do that internally with me, the better I do that with the people outside of me. The more willing I am to see me for myself, which means I see the good, the bad, and the ugly, but I do see the good. I do see the good. The better I am able to see you, the more I see God for who God is, the more seen by God I am, the better I am able to do that with you. So we want to think about this idea of intimacy, which is different than relating. Now, in order to have intimacy, we have to relate to people. But I can relate to people I'm not necessarily having intimacy with. So I can be relational with the person at the grocery store, but they don't necessarily know my heartaches, my hurts, my frustrations, my insecurities, my successes, my hopes, my dreams. That is left for the people that I am doing intimacy with. So what we want to think about is relating is the first way we start. So we have to learn to relate to ourselves and to others. And as we grow, we learn from our parents and others as how to relate. And so maybe the way that I learned to relate from my parents isn't necessarily healthy, and it gets in the way of intimacy. So we want to look at this idea of relating and what that means and what that process of revealing myself to another person is. What is my relating style? So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment. You can also listen to the show on uh, my website, which is uh, CynthiaHyatt.com. And we will begin this next segment talking about really the difference between relating and intimacy and how to do that well. Well, welcome back. This is Cynthia Hyatt with 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk Radio. You are listening to Conversations with Cynthia, and I always want to encourage you, if you've not listened to the show in its entirety, if you're just joining in, you can listen to it on my website at CynthiaHyatt.com, and you can also find me through uh, the 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk Radio website, and they can also guide you as to how to get that, that um, podcast So we are talking today about why God wants us in relationships and that relationships are about the way that humans are made. And so we can have all of our physical needs met, but if we're not in healthy relationships with intimacy, we will fail to thrive. And we see a lot of that happening. We see a lot of people that are failing to thrive in their relationships. And so what What do we see? We see avoidance. We see withdrawal. We see self-medicating behaviors. We see suicides. We see people quitting. We see people doing all kinds of things because they're not feeling connected. They're not feeling seen. They're not feeling known. And so let's talk about this word intimate because relating is really more a narrative. It's sharing information. It's interacting on on a more superficial level, it's, it's problem solving. It, it's, it's doing all types of things that are more task oriented in a relationship. Intimacy though, this is most private or personal, very close, very familiar, deep. This is a familiarity or confidence. And, and this, this means that it's, there's a trust issue involved here. So intimacy means I know you and you know me. And so intimacy is imperative for humans to grow. They need to be seen. They need to be known. They need to be accepted, connected, and there needs to be a level of trust and confidence. So when we are attempting intimacy with people, we want to recognize the better I do intimacy with myself, the better I do intimacy with God, the better I'm going to do intimacy with humans. The more appropriate I'm going to be, the more realistic my expectations are going to be. And so when we look at some verses as to why God wants us in relationship, what we see is the way that God relates. We have this great uh, verse in, in Ecclesiastes It says, two are better than one because they have good return for their labor. That's Ecclesiastes 4.9. We also have in Ecclesiastes chapter 4.11 and 12 says, also if two lie down together, they will keep warm. How can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. We see in, in Psalm 68.6, one of my favorite verses, God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing. So God sets the lonely in families. And we see here in, in Romans in 5.1, It says, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have intimacy with God because of Jesus. And so it's imperative that we understand when we looked at that verse in Genesis, when God said, it's not good for man to be alone. That God saw that Adam needed another human, that that was imperative for his growth. So as we look through this, we want to say to ourselves, okay, what is God doing when he's wanting us in relationship? Why would that be something that would cause us to grow? Why would that be helpful for us? Well, God wants us in relationship because if we don't, we will end up growing wild. So we have studies about wild, they're, they're called wild children, and they're, they're children that have not been in relationship, have not been in family in very developmental years. They've been found out in the forest. You know, we have those, those stories about children raised by Wolves, and some of these are true. It's very quite fascinating, but quite tragic at the same time. And what we see developmentally, when children are not raised by humans, they grow wild, they lose their ability to speak. And once they cross that threshold, we can't teach children to speak. After the age of 12, if they were not introduced to language, they don't know how to do it, and they lose the ability to do it. So God understands the power of human connection from the very beginning, as soon as you are out of the womb, you're needing connection with humans. We also, we also know that iron sharpens iron. This means that it makes us better people. And I, and I say to clients frequently, you know, we need to make sure we're not a walking piece of Velcro snagging on everything. And so we, God smooths us out. That's that ironing sharpening iron. And when I rub up against another human, sharp edges on me are smoothed out, if I will so let that happen we also need encouragement. We can't get encouragement from a pet. We can't get encouragement from a a car, from a house, from clothing, from money. We might feel a little bit better temporarily, but we don't get encouragement to press on, press forward, continue to try. We don't even get encouragement to be a better person. We also know that being in relationship gives us meaning and purpose. So I want you to really focus on this idea of why God wants us in relationship. Join me in the next segment. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And and certainly tune in to my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. This is Cynthia Hyatt on 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk Radio. Thank you for joining me today. And we are talking about why God wants us in relationship. We talked earlier in the show about the difference between intimacy and relating and truly what intimacy is about and the need for humans to have intimacy. And this is to be known, to be seen, and to know someone else and to see them. This is part of intimacy as a part of revealing our, our hearts to one another, which knits us together, bonds us together. And it is imperative for humans to do this in order for them to truly thrive. So we left off in the last segment talking about why other reasons why God wants us in relationship. And so he wants us in relationship for comfort. And we see this in, in, in lamentations. We see the second Corinthians, the first chapter verses three through seven. We see this when Jesus was in, in the, the garden of Gethsemane. He's human. He's God in human form. And he says to his friends, could you not have tarried one hour with me? He's needing comfort. We see that it's for meaning and purpose, that there's meaning in my relationship with other people, just as there's meaning in my life's work, which is which is um, healing people and, and encouraging people and helping them to thrive. There is meaning in those relationships. And so it's imperative that we remind ourselves that we need to keep putting ourselves out there. No matter how many times we get hurt, we need to learn from that and we need to try again. And it's tough. And I'm amazed that God keeps trying with us humans. We are not a good risk. And he keeps trying. He is always setting the bar for us. He's always giving the example He's always showing us ahead of time and doing for us what he asks us to do. And so he knows it's good for us to be in relationship, no matter how many devastating events we have have experienced, no matter how many relationship failures we have had, God wants us in relationship. And he continues to try and try and try. And so I I want to give you kind of a, a metaphor analogy. And I want you to think about your body. And how wonderful it is when your body is working. When every part of it is working and when all of it is working together. How wonderful it feels. That's how God feels when his body is working together. And so it's imperative when we understand that God is wanting intimacy with the whole entire body of humans. That's the ultimate goal, is that we are operating as one. And so part of doing that is me being one with me and any difficulties I have with myself, feelings I have about myself, frustrations about myself, unforgiveness that I have with myself. I need to be one with me. A divided house cannot stand. If I have a divided house, I go into a relationship with another person with a divided house and we have a problem. The healthier I am inside of me, I bring health, to that relationship. Now remember, we're never going to be perfect. That's the Philippians 1, six. He's always completing the good work that he's begun in us. But the healthier I get, the better my relationships are going to be. So God also wants us in relationship because connection guards against loneliness. And loneliness is one of the tools that the enemy uses against us all the time, getting us to lose our faith, participate in behaviors we would not otherwise participate in, causes to, to, to doubt who we are, one of the ways that the enemy always attacks us is through loneliness. So it also serves as a reflection. When I'm interacting with other people, I get reflections of who I am. I get to experience what I'm like to be with. I get to, to put checks and balances in place. And I get to have some, some perspective on who I am. And so I also want to be in relationship because it helps me know God in a different way. When I experience the God in you, the way God interacts with you, and you experience the way God interacts with me, I get to know God more. I get to experience God more. I get to hear from God more when I am having intimacy with others. He also wants me to be healed. And the only way humans heal is through relationship. And unfortunately, it's also one of the ways we, we harm each other the most. But we get the majority of our healing through relationships. And then he commands me to relate. And he does this in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. So it's imperative that we understand this power of relating. And I want to, to give you some, some ideas about what healthy relationships look like. And, and these are when we're looking at romantic relationships in particular. So one of the first things that I know, if if the relationship is healthy, is if the partners can manage conflict and differences, without despair or threatening behaviors or words. That they can really respect opinions, and that we don't confuse opinions with truth, or morality. Morality and truth; these things, there is a very hard edge to those things that is immovable. But my opinions are simply my opinions. My preferences are my preferences. And in healthy relationships, we allow for opinions that are different and preferences that are different, and we don't moralize those things. Now, obviously, there are some, some things that we can look at that there are certainly exceptions to that rule. But overall, I want to be willing to let people grow and develop and have opinions that might differ from mine and preferences that are different than mine and not judge them for it. So a second one that helps with a healthy relationship. Both partners protect and nourish the relationship and make it a priority. So I have to make that relationship a priority or it will die on the vine, so to speak. And the the more I neglect the relationship, the more I will dislike the relationship. The more I will feel bad about myself in the relationship. But that still goes to the first one. That as I really make the relationship a a priority and move toward that person, I need to be able to handle the differences in that relationship. So number three, both partners know how to be responsible for their own needs and also care for the relationship. So how do I do both? How do I care for me and care for the relationship? Both partners need to feel special to the other. It's imperative that you feel special to your significant other, your partner, your spouse. One of the things that God does for us as humans is he continues to tell us how special we are, how important we are, how significant we are, how wanted we are, how much he loves us, that he would do anything for us. He would die for us. Well, every human (laughs) needs to feel that. And this is why God does these things for us, because this is what humans need. And we need to not be embarrassed or ashamed or frustrated or minimize it or withhold it from others. Now, of course, we want in adult relationships, there's a limit to this. And we want to be realistic about this. But we want to understand if I didn't get that growing up, if I didn't feel special, wanted, loved, sought out, um, encouraged, seen i need to understand that wound is going to transfer into my adult relationships and if i don't heal from that wound i'm going to have unrealistic expectations on that other person and they will never be able to meet those needs of mine to feel special no matter how hard they try so we don't get rid of the need we understand that the need may need some healing so that i'm realistic as an adult So both partners can communicate wants, needs, feelings, and emotional issues with little or no shame. Again, that goes back to the first one. I need to be able to manage the differences. I need to be able to hear the needs that my partner has and the wants and the feelings and any emotional issues they have without having my own shame attack and needing to be defensive or talk them out of it or be judgmental about it. I need to be able to be an adult and old enough to hear those things. There needs to be unconditional love. Now, unconditional love does not mean unconditional approval. Like I said earlier in the show, I have unconditional love for myself. It doesn't mean I love everything I do. It doesn't mean I agree with everything I do. It doesn't mean I like everything I do. But I have to have unconditional love for myself. That's what God has for us. He takes us in 100% knowing exactly who we are, to the very bottom of our souls, our spirit. And he loves us unconditionally. It doesn't mean he loves everything we do. So both partners need to attend to the needs of each other willingly and lovingly, which means I need to be an adult in my relationship so that I am willing to meet those needs and I am willing to do it lovingly, not begrudgingly. I'm not going to show up as a little kid frustrated that I have to do it and have an attitude about it. That's part of being in an, in an adult relationship. So both partners attend to the needs of each other willingly and lovingly. And the sexual relationship works well and is mutually satisfying. So when we're talking about a sexual relationship with adults, we're talking about that unique interaction that is only theirs, that nobody else can do, that nobody else should be doing, and you should not be comparing yourself to anybody else either. Whatever it is that you've seen in movies, pictures, read about in books, heard from your girlfriends, heard from your guy friends, these things should not be a part of that sexual world. The sexual world has to do with the two partners that are participating in it, and we are not comparing and contrasting ourselves to other people. So both partners can and do keep agreements. This means that I can be counted on. This means that you can trust me. And if I fail, I apologize. So it doesn't mean I agree to do that until something better comes along or until it's not convenient for me anymore. Imagine if God was doing agreements like that with us. How we would feel. We depend on him. We trust him. We are very, very upset with God when we perceive him letting us down, aren't we? Well, imagine he's perfect. This is what humans need. He takes very seriously. So he's very big on explaining. He's very big on being relational. And so when he he quote unquote lets us down, he says, come let us reason together. Let's talk about this. What's going on? And we tell God our heart, and he takes us very seriously. doesn't necessarily mean he's going to change it, but he takes it seriously. He always follows through on his commitments. So both partners are honest. And this is a really important piece I want you to, if you don't hear anything else about this show, this is very important. Honesty is is tantamount to any successful relationship. But honesty and truth, need to come with wisdom. And I'm very thankful that God doesn't tell me everything about myself because I probably wouldn't want to get up in the morning if I knew everything about me. I'm very thankful that he tells me the truth about me and is honest with me as a way to encourage me as well and to make the relationship work better. He's not telling me the truth or being honest with me in order to hurt me or to compete with me or to be in a one-up one position with me. And he's not doing it so that he can justify his behavior. And so it's important in an adult relationship that we recognize, is this truth necessary? Will this help them? Will this actually set them free? Because we get caught in this codependent issue where we want to enable people, and we get afraid to tell the truth. But we need to understand that telling the truth always means that person will be set free. It doesn't mean they'll feel good, but it means it will free the relationship and there'll be freedom in their life. And we do it with kindness and grace and love and compassion and empathy when we are telling the truth. And we make sure that we are committed to honesty. So I'm so glad that you are here with the, uh, listening to the show today. And I hope that this has been helpful for you. And I really want to encourage you. To listen to the, the show in its entirety, and you can see that on the, listen to that on the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's spelled C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T dot com. Also, my Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt, Inc., that's I-N-C for Incorporated. I pray that you have a blessed week and that this is encouraging to you. Again, it's Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia, 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk Radio.